Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of 1001 Album Complaints. It's the podcast where lifelong musicians and friends get together to dissect the albums on Robert Dimery's list of the 1001 albums you must hear before you die. So normally we pick an album at random, we analyze it, we praise it, we shit on it, and ultimately give you our jackass opinions on whether or not you need to hear it. However, for this episode, at the request of numerous emails that we've gotten, we're going to switch things up a little bit. So while we're technically nine days away for this guy's 70th birthday on April 10th, we're going to be reviewing the debut album from one of the most influential guitarists and songwriters of the last 30 years. That's right, I'm talking about none other than Mr. Steven Seagal and his debut album titled Songs from the Crystal Cave. Now, if you haven't listened to this album yet, don't worry. We'll be throwing in lots of clips along the way. We'll also compile like a Like anybody playlist. hasn't listened to this album, Adam. <laughs> Come on. I, had, I, I, I haven't know, heard I, this album. Really? I, I put this up there with like Abbey Road and, and Let It Be, so I'm very surprised that uh, that just strikes me as, as odd, Phil, because you're a... I think that lamestream media has kind of tried to bury it in, in years yeah. past. Yeah. Right, right. So right at the top here, though, I want to remind everyone that if you're listening to this and you're digging what you're hearing, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review, whatever you need to do, spread the word, <laughs> tell a friend... We really appreciate all the support that you guys are giving us. We love doing this. This is just a, a fantastic excuse to get together and hang out with friends. Now, in 2009, in an interview in Rolling Stone, Clay Aiken, who also performs on this album, said of Steven Seagal that, quote, his talent is soulful because he leads with his heart and spirit. He's absolutely there, ever present with honest intensity in his offerings, which leave me blubbering with the hairs erect on my arms and legs, dancing on my own, talking to myself with feelings that everything is going to be all right. Truth, man. Truth. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you guys a quick taste of the album, which has been called a mind-bending mix of alternative country, reggae, world music, Jamaican dance hall, and new age disco. Then we'll come back with some quick introductions of the crew today, along with some quick tweet-length reviews of the album. So in the event that you've been living under a rock, Phil, or living on Mars, or perhaps under a rock on Mars, here's the song Lollipop from the album Songs from the Crystal Cave. She was created a little lord of the angels. Yes, I. You see me, I say my girl lollipop My girl lollipop All right, so that was Lollipop from Steven Seagal's debut album, Songs from the Crystal Cave. Let's work our way around the room, and let's throw it over to Rob first. Yeah, this was one that I knew a little bit from my college days. This is the kind of record you'd throw on if you had a, a, a lady over, perhaps. But I wasn't... I didn't exactly know what I was going to find when I got back in. So my tweet-length review is... I was a little pleasantly surprised. It was like drinking champagne out of coconuts on a tropical island. The blend of southern blues and reggaeton club music really hits the sweet spot and, and relaxes me to the max. Congrats, Stephen. Well said. Well said. Phil, let's hear your review. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what you're saying there, Rob. I mean, I hear you on the reggaeton. I, I, I think this was an interesting choice to kick off the pot. Like, as somebody who was... No and I was floored by this record. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe my expectations were misaligned because... Uh, because I when I think of Steven Seagal, like... I think of Hard to Kill. I think of Under his, Siege. His movie career does yeah, like, overshadow Yeah, his, like, I just think musical, of something else. Right. Yeah. But, it's really a shame that that does, too. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he's a triple threat. 
But, like, for me, like, I really connected more with the song, like, the song at the top of the record. Like, Girl, It's All Right, Don't You Cry. Like, the stuff that's more in that, like, Clay Aiken wheelhouse, right? Sure. You know, like, the... the, the a little more mainstreamy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but it's got, like, it's got a folky sort of... Yeah, I mean, he's a talented songwriter. Uh, Tom, what'd you think? I'm going to keep it short and simple. This is what authentic music sounds like, Okay. This is a masterwork from a true master. Uh, I can't say anything more than that. The The music speaks for itself. Nice, nice. Alan, thoughts? You know, this album reminded me a lot of, like, I thought about John Mayer a lot and his career arc where started as, you know, somebody with really no credibility, took on some new work, evolved his sound, played with, you know, Pino Palladino, did blues, now he plays with the dead. And he pulls it off, right? So, and I see a similar career arc with Seagal where he takes on this, you know, diversifies his uh, artistic portfolio and actually, you know, does a credible job. Is he like a pinch hitter? Because he just knocks it out of the park, right? I mean, right, come on. totally. And there's mayor tones all over this record. I mean, classic, classic Strat sounds. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's awesome. So this is Adam, and my quick review, I might not even be that quick, but that little clip that we just played leads me in a direction that uh, I think it's a good overall representation of the album. And one theme that runs through this album is that he's a master of efficiency in vocal delivery. And what I mean by that is that he utilizes so many other people to deliver the lyrics on this album. It's just brilliant. So people have said that in his movies, he often can't be bothered to film a scene where he walks across the room or picks up a bag off the floor, right? He gets stuntmen to do that. And I think the outsourcing of the trivial aspects of this album, namely the lyrics, uh, it really shines through on, on his delivery overall. So I, I enjoyed it just a ton. You know, it, it fits with his movie career where he is often playing military roles. And what do they say in the military? Find the best guy for the best job. The best guy Damn for the job, straight. right? And you know what? And now that you say that, like that makes sense that you went with Lollipop to kick off the show. Like when you told me that this was like such, I like, you know, an album that you love so much. Now that makes sense. Like, cause this really does, I think, illustrate that perfectly. Well, look, I mean, I w- here's the question I have. What's not to like about someone who's singing about really universal themes, right? So, you know, war, jealousy, music, and Punani. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's totally identifiable for just, even for mainstream pop. So, yeah, I, I think he's knocking it out of the park there. So just a bit of background on our friend, Mr. Steven Seagal here. So Steven Frederick Seagal was born in Lansing, Michigan in 1952. And you guys will recognize Lansing as the burgeoning music scene during the 60s and 70s. They had a lot of hot acts come out of there. And then in his teens, he really got obsessed with rock music. His mother noted that he spent most of his time in his room listening to rock music. So Seagal flew out to Las Vegas, where he went to high school at the Las Vegas Academy of the Performing Arts, and ultimately went to college at Juilliard in New York, where he double majored in theater and music. Wasn't he? I heard somewhere that he maybe was classmates with Christopher Walken at Juilliard. Did I? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I totally. Didn't know where yep. If that was like a pop-up video or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And you can see just the the genius, a lot of his acting really makes its way into this album musically as well. I was going to say theatric. That's that's what I could, that's what I ascribe to so many of these lyrics and so much of the delivery. It's just theatric. Like the emotion really comes through. Yeah, that's what I was struck with as well, that we always sit here and complain about songs that don't have a clear beginning, middle, and, and an end, that tell a story in an arc, that climax and resolve. This album has all that and more. So his break, uh, his big breakout movie, just looking at his acting career quickly, was Under Siege, which was released in 1992. If you don't remember, it featured Seagal as an ex-Navy SEAL stopping terrorists. So that movie grossed $152 million worldwide. It's not enough. He, pump, he pumped a lot of that back into his music career. Wanting more money to continue his, his musical expansion, he quickly followed up Under Siege with Under Siege 2, Two spelled T-O-O, which featured Seagal and Steve Gutenberg as single parents trying to balance life in the big city while trying to stop a Russian drug syndicate in New York City. 
So that didn't do nearly as well. So he uh, he got a little a little upset, I think, in 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 the acting career, and eventually wound up really going hard on the music. But again, like it, you see it there, like he's taking chances there, right? Like he could have followed right. up. Who would have thought a right, dad buddy like, comedy? Yeah, uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hollywood will chew you it's up and satisfying. spit you out. So it's it's. I'm not surprised that he left the '90s feeling a little bit jaded. Um, but I feel like this album definitely re- replicates his his movies in that his movies were very diverse, right? So he it wasn't just one genre. Like he really had a portfolio of different genres that he dipped into, and I think this album is is exactly like that. Well, I mean, coming off the reggaeton of lollipop, like let's jump into the next track. No, wait, 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 wait. We're not, we're not just gonna gloss over lollipop and the. Like we have to get into the depth of these lyrics for a second, okay? We're we're gonna jump into lollipop in just a second. I wanted to do a quick by the numbers. We love doing by the numbers here. It really helps put perspective on a person's career and their life. So he released two back to back albums, Songs from the Crystal Cave and Mojo Priest. He won two Grammys, one for each album for Best Male Combat Vocal. Globally, his albums have sold over sixty million copies. He owns over 235 guitars. He's got over 2,000 guitar picks, well over 150 guitar straps, and boasts a collection of almost 100 distortion pedals. So right there really shows you that this is a guy who is really serious about music and just... Dedication uh, to his craft. Yeah, he's a craftsman. Definitely a craftsman, you know? Yeah. You can see why Stevie Wonder wanted to work with him. Stevie Wonder is featured on this album. Uh, oh, uh, playing harmonica and I, it's just I'm surprised you know like I think that makes sense so that you that Stevie Wonder couldn't carve out like a larger role on this album because the it's just so star studded I was gonna say it, it was really nice of Steven Seagal to give Stevie Wonder an opportunity to kind of find a wider audience um, sure, you know, he'd be sure. kind of pigeonholed into this whole like soulful pop thing, and well, uh, and he would have been in like you know I just called to say I love you sort of like doing yeah, at this time you know, you know? and like nobody's nobody's heard that song right like right, and so right. you really get this uh, ability for again Steven Seagal I think that something that's going to be a through line on here he's just a good dude he's just always yeah, helping sure. people out just a great dude in general sure sure. One other thing, too, before we jump back into Lollipop, just to talk about some of the personnel on the album. I mentioned Stevie Wonder playing harmonica. Steven Seagal, not only does he do the vocals with quite close to a two-octave range, he plays rhythm and lead guitar, drums, percussion, and the clay pot, which we know is a remarkably, uh, I'll say, what's the word, nuanced instrument to play to get really good sound out of it, and he absolutely nails it. It just shows that, again, the dedication to the craft. We talk about people who, it's in the effort. You think about air, right? It's like they, they produced that album with just hard work and dedication, and, and that just comes through on this one. Yeah, I'd never heard Clay Pop before. It's really Like, cool. what doesn't Steven Seagal nail? Everything. Like, you guys remember famously his Saturday Night Live hosting performance where he was lauded as the best host that Saturday Night Live has ever had. He just kills it from comedy right. to yeah. action to deep yep. drama. He, to one might music. say he has a yeah. license to kill or is uh, hard to totally. kill. Totally. Uh, Definitely. Well done, sir. A, yeah, he is well indeed done. above the law. I think that that's, <laughs> right. that's fair. No, he um, actually, I learned this recently from a, co- a comedy bit. He's like a part-time police officer, too. So, you know, if, if you're ever in in the New Orleans or Louisiana area, you could potentially get arrested by Steven Seagal. And to me, that's sort of mind-blowing as well. Well, let's not forget that he uh, spent some time over in Belarus inspecting watermelons and eating large carrots with some of the local farmers there, kind of helping them out. Oh. Yes, I, I saw that clip. It's really heartwarming. Humanitarian, yeah. yep. definitely. I mean, again, the guy just gives and gives and gives. I do take issue with some people ripping on Lawman because he's a deputy. He was deputized, which people say, oh, anybody can get deputized, and they compare him to Dwight on The Office. I take issue with that because Dwight from The Office, The Office was a fake reality show. Lawman is a real reality show. And so I just like to make that distinction because people like to rip on Seagal for that aspect as well. Well, and when you talk about defunding the police, you're affecting the livelihood of someone like Steven Seagal. And so 
I think that needs to be accounted for. All right, so I I managed to stumble across there was a documentary, a really nice looking documentary on YouTube about Steven Seagal called God Amongst Men, and it was just talking about some of the underlying aspects of the music industry that he's been in. Like I know we talk about Carol King, you know, it's like if there's a song and you don't know who wrote it, it's either David Bowie or, or Carol King. You can add Steven Seagal to that list. He wrote the remix to Ignition for R. Kelly. My Heart Will Go On uh, for Celine Dion and Where the Streets Have No Name uh, that you 2 made famous. So the guy's just a powerhouse, lyrically as well. He also, look, he, he writes songs that people want to imitate as well. So you look at his list, right? He writes a song called Better Man. I looked in Spotify and Pearl Jam... Fucking did the same exact song. Totally. He does a song called him "Don't off, You Cry," dude. and then Guns. I look in Guns N' Roses does the same thing. So he's yeah. clearly yep. influencing. Yeah, I mean, he's got a song called "Music," and look at how many people in the modern world are are using that term uh, to describe what they do. Totally, mm-hmm. progenitor yep. of yep. of of the scene of of the term. So let's get back into Lollipop, and we'll play another quick clip of that. I Listen, I draw a line between a lot of what, what he's doing here and directly. We like to talk about the, the musical descendants and the, the connections in the musical canon. I draw a line between this directly to the stuff that Bruno Mars and Anderson Pock have been doing with Silk Sonic. Totally. Totally see that. Yep. So I want to know who are the horn players on this song because there's no way that those are synth horns. Those must be. Real I think it horns, was. Right? It might have been the Dap Kings, actually. I mean, they're at least that's really what it sounds fantastic. Like. I and listen, like Island Rap. Where have you been my entire life? I sure. I didn't know well, I wanted it, that. It's not just like the islandy horns, you know, that are like dead center in the mix. It's like there's that 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 like Phil Spector wall of sound strings, but it's like hard panned. I can't even tell if it's synth or I don't know. No, it's definitely gotta be real. This Yeah, I mean yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean when did this come out? Two thousand four? Two thousand four, yes. Whoa, what? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We I mean, you know, we can look that that up. I mean but it's either way it's amazing. Wow. I thought this was uh, yeah from a totally I thought this was much earlier, to be honest with you. So I'm I'm really impressed that he was able to call back those sounds. Yeah. It's classic. Listen, we've we've done this many times on many different podcasts. I apologize, dear listeners. I'm gonna have the same comment on so many of these songs, but the depth of the lyrics. I mean, you are my you're as sweet as candy. You are my sugar dandy. I mean, come on, I say that to my wife and she's just like purring like a kitten. It's just you know, like what more do you need to express your love than a rhyme as complex as you know, sweet as candy, sugar dandy. You d- well, but then like- he comes in at the end of that verse and or the chorus and says, I love you, but I don't want you to know. And so just that tension of, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, just a lot of interpretation there and a lot of lot to sink your teeth into as you're kind of evaluating the, the material. We see here in this song, too, that he uh, something a theme that you will see throughout the album is that he so accurately mimics the Jamaican accent which I think that as an Islander, people probably really appreciate him mm. uh, yeah, changing totally. his vo- his vocal stylings to match the people that he's ah. talking to or singing to. I think it's a, a brilliant way. Uh, Alan, you mentioned Lawman. I know that, that he is famous and uh, law enforcement appreciate learning from him that when you're speaking to people of different uh, different cultures that you should mimic how they talk in order to really come off authentic and, and uh, you know, 
that's associated with them. Yeah, that's an absolutely great point. And you know, that brings up another thing that this record reminded me of. Speaking of accents, is Joe Pesci's work on when he cut that album where he was as his character from My Cousin Vinny, and really taking on that persona and leaning in. So I, mm. I feel like in the lineage of, of celebrity albums, those two are, are really really high up on my list. You know, sure. The, the one thing that I will say is that. Um, the thing, especially vocally, that really carries through just on every track is just the effort. You can tell that he is just pushing and really giving it his all on these vocals. And give the man a lot of credit. He's leaving it all out there. You know, there, there's sure. not a lot to be left to the imagination. It, it's this raw and real yeah. performance that I, I can't I can't help but want to re-listen to it. Pathos well, is what I wrote down, Tom. Pathos. Yes, so, yeah, I'm right absolutely. there. All over the place, yeah. yep. I, I'm just going to push back slightly because I, I know we're – clearly we're all on the same page of this album. I'm just going to have one kind of slight you know, criticism. And I think he shows a little too much restraint on some of his guitar solos where you can tell that if he just wanted to, he could really push the envelope and just give you something that just blows your mind. But he knows exactly when to hold back. and he. Well, that's a great transition point. Alan, actually, in, into the next song on our focus list, which really features his guitar work. Uh, it's a song called Route 23. So let's drop a little bit of that in here now. My, 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 found in a shoebox. My daddy people came from far away Mama left on the pole to the rich folks My daddy had to work to pay Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana Kentucky, Texas, or Canada All came to see what they could see Chasing that long, tall tail about the good life. We were told that was up through 23. All right, thoughts. Man, it's like Little Wing and B.B. King. Right? Right? Totally. Yeah. Yes. All at the same Absolutely. Time. You know, I yeah. heard, I heard, and I, I don't know if this is apocryphal or not, but I heard that when he was a teenager, he happened to to stumble across uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, who was touring because Stevie Ray Vaughan was playing out a lot as a teenager. And that he actually gave him some lessons and gave him like a way to make the blues sound more original and not just stock blues stuff. And this Mm. this really showed me that that probably is true because, I mean, stock blues, not at all. Just a yeah. really fresh interpretation on a way to approach guitar playing and scales, oh, and yeah. you know, he certainly doesn't just box at all. he doesn't, and he mm-hmm. doesn't end it on the four and wait for the one to come back around before he starts a phrase. He's just carrying them on through. It's just, it catches yeah, you off yeah. guard so much. Fucking, yeah, yeah. and it's from a from a from a geography point of view. This one is this is a solid one too. Goes through the various southern states. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like he goes through like Alabama, Mississippi. Well, and he claims he's he's a Russian citizen. I don't know if you're aware of that. He's a Russian citizen. Really? Do you guys remember? It's there's a Ricky Gervais show, and um, I think it's a documentary. And at one point, uh, Liam Neeson comes in and talks about how he was hired to play uh, to be in Schindler's List because he always made lists. Right. So I think that there might be a through line here hmm. about making lists of American states and just singing them. Mm. That really it is on the same acting. It's like he's mixing that acting skill with the songwriting in something as complex as as uh, list making. Well, it's the heartland of America. And I think there's just a lot to be a lot to be inspired by, you know, with, with those. References. He's telling a story about an old an older time. Right. A time when, like, you know, the good life really was just up Route 23, you know? Yeah, sure. Before yeah, everybody said, got cancer from the steel in the coal mines, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it said, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my daddy had to work to pay. Yeah, I mean, that just, that just spoke to me. My dad had to work to pay, too. Fuck yeah. Like, it's, it's just right. crazy. 
and everyone listen, can identify with that. Yeah, I've complained about this on multiple podcasts, but I really, really have to tip my hat, a doff to the gentleman's cap, to Steven Seagal on this one, with just a masterful ending to the song. He really nails it. Like, I hate it when a song just kind of piddles out when there's not a focused ending and they, they, they didn't just, you know, it's just either fade or write an ending, give me a hard, hard hit on the chord or something like that. Dude, I but couldn't agree more. he really just, again, softball over the plate, knocked it out of the park. Totally. It's he pissed the whip. somebody's it. car in the parking lot. Yeah. He pistol whipped it. Yes. Right. Accurate, Phil. Let's let's we'll drop that ending in here, uh, just because I think it's really powerful for the for our listeners to hear. Smooth as butter on glass. All right, so we're going to keep this thing moving along. Listeners, we're going to try to keep it short. This is a bonus episode, so we want to make sure we keep it tight and super interesting for you guys who have all requested this. So we are going to move right along to the next song on our list, which is called War. There's always a story, but we never know what it's for. They say we're going to war, but it's never what we say we're fighting for. All right, so th- this truly felt for me like a groundbreaking song. I-, I think it's potentially one of the first songs I've ever heard about war. I mean, it's such a common concept. I mean, we grow up with it, but I don't know that I've really heard that much of it put into music and lyric in in such a consumable format. Maybe that might be a little too technical, but that's that was my vibe. And that's heavy. I never thought about that. Fuck. You know, it's funny. I I had a couple of songs that I had earmarked as having talked about war before in just a completely inferior way. Cause this it's completely surpasses like Bob Dylan's masters of war. Um, sure. Edwin sure. Starr's war, like black Sabbath's war pigs, all of them. I feel like they tried Those to get at war. the root of the subject matter, but, but didn't well, this maybe, one it's, it's really like, got it. You, as you're listening to the song, you are struck with the question of wondering like, War, like, I mean, like, what is it really good for? Really nothing. And as you can see in our current situation right now, you know, yep. with, with yeah. Russia, it's it's just, yeah, absolutely nothing. It's it's a timely song as well. It's timely at any time because there's always conflict going on. I think this is one of those ageless songs. I found myself thinking, finally, a famous actor who really has something to say about politics. Like that was exciting. Right. Absolutely. Totally. And you know, he he also he very famously used his career to, you know, show the consequence and the brutal reality of war. Certainly Brown. didn't dramatize it in a way that made it seem um entertainment. He he had a message behind it. And you know, the the vocal delivery in this song you can really get the frustration and the anger out of his vocal delivery. It, it, you know, somebody might come onto this track and just kind of deliver a little bit of like a uh, type of vocal and think that that was appropriate for the subject matter. But no, he really brings it. And I like goosebumps guys, the hairs raised on my arm. Well, it kind of reminded me of, of, you know, we did rage against the machine recently and, you know, it's one thing to have the anger, you know, and and the and the message that you're trying to push, but sometimes it's manufactured, and you know, but when you lay it over like a really great musical foundation like Rage, where that music holds up regardless of the lyrics, I think 
it's you know there's a case to be made you know to to compare the two yeah yeah the call and response i thought was extremely effective of it's all because of what and then the backup singers uh shout war oh which was just my note is fantastic this is how you do group vocals right right it's so hard to get group vocals correct but these just like you really got it you just you got the sense that this is just an angry group of people who are like in line for the draft or something and like war no why am i here it's because of war right right yeah really human it humanizes it um on this album yeah man right there with you visionary all right we're gonna keep things moving right along to the next song on our focus list this one it's a bit of a dance. It's a bit of a dance song, right? It gets things moving. It picks up the pace a little bit. This tune is called Strut. Mr. Steven Seagal, try down on Jamaica and say, one, one is y'all. So them send for Leah the Sock, I don't know I'm a rock. You see me? So. Girl, would you really run down there? Me want the body if you make me feel nice. Why? Tell me where you really want. When the girls start to strut, you could look at them, but you shouldn't do that. The girl dress is just a pity, not just there to cover her kitty. So when I listened to this back in the day, I, th- I thought of this one as as the hit. I don't know how what what charting it did, but this is I thought of this as the single. I'm not sure if they released it. I seem to remember a music video at some point. Yeah, they they did release it. This did remarkably well. In fact, this was the one that that kind of put the album over the top uh, on the pop charts. Uh, again, it's danceable. It's got a really uh, a message that you can really associate with. I, there's kind of a personal story that I, I might be a little bit biased on this song, um, but my wife and I, this was actually the first dance at our wedding, and we also mm-hmm. used some of the lyrics for the vows at the church, and so I, I'm probably Damn, I not the best I didn't know you, you were really person. this into Seagal. I really yeah, did man. Well, this is, this like, is I knew a time... about some other weird stuff, like Gentle Giant and whatnot. But like, yeah, man, right. I, know, like, I, like, I, I went down that rabbit hole, yeah, but yeah. this... This stuff is timeless. I mean, the lyrics that when a girl starts to strut, you can look at their butt. You shouldn't do that. They've got a dress. It's such a pity. Not just there to cover her kitty. I mean, this. Well, he's right. You shouldn't do that. I mean, you know, right. Exactly. Here's the funny thing. He's a feminist. What most people don't know is Steven Seagal has been an ally for women throughout most of his career. I I heard a story that actually he was so dedicated to women's empowerment that he Mm -hmm. would offer like young up and coming actresses, like one on one acting lessons that he'd give them in on his own time, like in the evening in his hotel for room. For free? He'd just invite them up for free and be like, hey, why don't you come up to my room and I'll give you a little bit of an acting lesson. So like just an ally left and right. And it to help it, them get ahead in the industry. To help right. them get ahead. And I, I feel like it has to be said. We've covered a good amount of rappers on mm-hmm. this podcast so far, but his flow just puts them all to shame. I mean, Sick. Yep. the fact that he can not only be this uh, rhythmic and stylistic with his vocals, but also be completely intelligible the whole time, that's a really right. hard line. Well, I mean, he's such a vocal chameleon. Like, I can't even tell which vocalist he is on this track. It's amazing. Like, it's amazing. Right, so the the woman who raps on this is called Lady Saw, and... Usually she's very hard to get. She's very in demand, but he's got that pull, right? He's got that mm-hmm. that that cred that allows him to to go explore some of these island musicians, some of these Jamaican uh, stars, and get them in on his album. Uh, so that really just speaks to, I mean, just how much of a command he has of the industry. Can can we talk a little bit about the cleverness of the lyrics on this song? Because I, they yes. really, they really must be noted. Um, sure, he's got the line, um, "Me love the way you walk. Sometimes the way you talk is so hot. Now you know. Let's have a shot of rum. Then me can make you come." With me to the ocean, that would be fine. It's like he does a great job. I'm just like, oh my god, he's gonna talk about making you come. He's got got like a little like double entendre. Yeah, he says like, with me to the ocean, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, 
it totally yeah. makes sense that you're saying me and you know like but it's uh, also like family me friendly love, like yeah. if you wanted it's, to be right exactly right yeah. like this was this is one of the one of the lyrics that we used in our vows as well and i i even did the you know i don't know if it's culturally acceptable but i i said me right you know mimicking that yeah. jamaican style so like he i does. and i thing you know like yeah right yeah. uh and well, yeah, I, th- I think I it's think safe the, to say that I think the priest was happy with it. This this song was probably the reason that you got any punani that night. You know, so I think he's probably directly this, responsible. Probably. Yeah, you probably know, a good bet. In the hands of a less uh delicate lyricist, I think the use of punani continually in a song could come off as kind of cringy. Um, right, but right. man you know, he handles it with kid gloves, and he really just lands it every time. Every time he says Punani, I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I, and me want the Punani, you know? Right. You know what right. I noted here was, like, they talk about in old in older jazz music a lot of times. They'd be like, oh, Coltrane's doing a solo. And he, in the middle of the solo, he quotes another song. And mm-hmm. what I loved here, I think it happens around the, like, 120 mark, that Seagal makes a sly reference to... An undeniable Bob Marley classic deep cut called Jammin'. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know that song. I did, a, you know a, what? I had to, I had to look tune? that up and listen to it for the first time um, because of this. And I was like, wow, this song is actually pretty cool. I mean, I, I want to jam it with you, you know? And is he talking about having sex there cuz that's a little crude on the on the part of Bob Marley. He he clearly did not handle that with enough delicacy as yeah, right as, as Steven Seagal did. As yeah, Seagal, where he said right. he want the punani. Classic. Right. Yeah. 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 All right, so we're we're going to wrap this thing up here. We're going to bring it home with the last track on our Focus album. This one is called Music. <laughs> So I got to say, with a song title like this, you're really expecting something musical. And um, is this the? I think this is the tune that has the the five one chord progression. And that, yes. I, yeah, yep. and that is that's definitely music. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, I, usually with a chord progression that is just a couple of chords, I would get kind of tired of it over time, but. This was just such a strong and inventive interval that I I really was like, yes, keep giving it to me. I don't want you to change over the chorus. I want you to keep it consistent the entire time. And by the way, masterful work to to start with the chorus. The fact that he started with it's such a strong chorus that I need it right up front. And I'm really glad that he started with the chorus. I mean, that that's just a pro move. You know, you you, you write a chorus like that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, wh- what am I not going to put this eight times want, in the song? Know? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the way that yep. he, he – so it was just such a nice change of pace. So only he could pull this off, right? So it's like the song starts. It's a kind of blues, typical blues fair, and then bam, reggae, just out of nowhere. Oh, who does that? That like, transition. I was like, man, like – I really, I got to this point. I, I, I kind of need another reggaeton break. Is there another reggaeton break in the offing? And boom, right when I wanted it, he gave it to me. It's Just the work of a real master of his craft. The guitar solo on this, by the way, is, it, I was floored. Honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to fawn. I, I apologize to the listeners if it sounds like we're fawning over Steven Seagal. I, I recognize we're trying to cram some stuff in here to a shorter bonus episode. But the guitar solo is just I honestly thought I was listening to Eric Clapton at times. Like, it just seemed right. like 
just right that level of mastery and his he, he takes you on a journey it really so was his journey yeah yeah he's a big fan of the hammer on which is one of the harder things to and the wah-wah we talked pedal. about and the wah-wah yeah. pedal. yeah right so i think uh rob and tom you guys weren't on our john martin episode Correct. we had talked about the the guy who plays upright bass with John Martin is just a a beast, right? He first off, upright bass is a fretless instrument, and then he's playing harmonics on top of that, which is a very nuanced, soft touch. Same thing with this hammer on, right? So you put your for for listeners who aren't familiar with a hammer on, you put your finger on the neck of the guitar, and then you take another finger and put it on the next fret. And you take it off and put it on and off and on, and it gets this like little 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 real fast. And you do it real fast, and it's just you know indescribable. And he it's, absolutely nails it's it a real on this program. entire album. It took yeah, me, totally. It took me a long time to be able to master that technique personally. I, I it, still to it's this on day, I nearly. With it. I mean, it's on nearly every all, song. Right, right. You are you are not above the law. I'm immortal. I I am immortal. Yes, yes I I am actually relatively easy to kill. All right, so that's going to round out our deep dive. Like I said, we're trying to keep this tight for our bonus episode for our fans. Fans, what am I talking about? Our listeners. Fans Uh, singular. (laughs) Fans singular. So we're at the end here. We want to do what we always do in every episode. We work our way around the room, and we all vote on whether or not this deserves to be on the list of the 1,001 albums you have to hear before you die and whether or not you actually need to listen to this. So... Let's work our way around the room. We're going to throw this over to Rob first. Yeah, it's an unqualified yes for me. Like a billiard ball stuffed into a novelty sock and swung around a roadside bar, this packs a wallop. Phil, what are your thoughts? So I was super skeptical going into this. I mean, maybe just because, you know, I mean, Steven Seagal, and again, like we covered it many times, I just think of him as like a real martial arts movie star just like you know powerhouse um but i mean crystal cave was shocking i mean definitely top 10 top 10 instant top 10 i mean uh yeah definitely a yes hard yes uh yeah i mean i i wish i had known sooner great all right tom thoughts i mean is this the top 101 albums you must hear before you die because even so it's still on the list i can't imagine somebody goes their entire existence and is not exposed to the genius that is steven seagal and not just because of how amazing the performance is because the performance is amazing but you have just such a through line to so many different areas of musical exploration that came out of this he's clearly such an influencer and i personally am going to be changing my approach to writing and performing music because of how this album really struck me to my core it's like a roundhouse kick to the chest of musical sound and experience and taste and effort and i mean totally not a dashed off vanity project at all just a complete tour de force 100% 100% yeah, yeah. quadruple thumbs up. All right, Alan, thoughts? You know, like, what else can be said here? I think I'll just let Steven himself do the talking here. He says music will set us free, and I really can't disagree with that. So, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that, let him do the talking. It's obviously a yes for me. Nice. So this is Adam, and there are moments when you're listening to music where as – I think Tom had mentioned where you get that ASMR thing where you actually, the hair on your arm actually stands up. You feel the electricity running up your neck and back. And it's almost a a pseudo spiritual experience. Sometimes it's triggered by a harmony for me. Sometimes it's triggered by a really nice chord progression or a chord change for me. This album that happened to me every track this just blew my mind and it has been blowing my mind since it came out. I've been listening to it. Phil, I was actually floored that you hadn't, this was not on your top 10 list. Or Dude, just no, no, your, this was, this is, I mean, this plays. is 61 minutes of, of majesty. Sure. Yeah. And now that we've already, 
Yeah. We've already Stop got four out of five or a yes, so it doesn't really matter what I say, but I am an obvious yes. So Steven Seagal, you are on the list with your fantastic album, Songs from the Crystal Cave. If you want to as well, go check out Mojo Priest. It's pretty good. Doesn't really rise to the level of Songs from the Crystal Cave. But there you have it, Steven. You're on the list. We are going to wrap things up. Don't forget, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please drop us an email at 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com. That's 1001albumcomplaints at gmail.com. Steven Skull, if you're listening, please write us a note. I know you're a big fan of this podcast. Sure, so I sure. would love to hear about the different production techniques and uh, you know the approach that you took to songwriting, the integrity that you take. We just, we just want to mimic it. So please, please reach out and let us know. You know, Tom, you say it's funny, and I know, I know we're wrapping it up, but one thing when I dove in that made me sort of immediately think, like, this is going to be great, is that I saw that he went to Canada to make it. It was in Mississauga, yeah, totally. Canada, all, which we all know always, is always like, go to Canada. it's a mecca yeah. of music studios and the Guess Who were there. Michael Buble was there. Yeah. Other Canadian like, people were there. Yeah. It's like, L.A., Muscle Shoals, Mississauga, you know? Yes, right. Known for shipping and being like a shipping hub, and then also music production and pop Isn't that where the new pornographers hail from? I think they've they've done some work up there. It's Yeah, it's right outside of Toronto, I think. Yeah, just shortly outside, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there you have it. All right, that's going to wrap it up. For us here at 1001 Album Complaints, thank you for hanging out with us on this bonus episode. So, on that note, I'm Adam. I'm Rob. I'm Tom. I'm Phil. And I'm Alan. Executive (laughs) Boosh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, Steven Seagal. Still rocking those yellow ass sunglasses, dressed in fatigues all the time, like he's gonna fight somebody, always ready to kick some ass. Yeah! Steven. Steven. Oh yeah, Neil Sedaka representing today. Steven, let me sing your song. Yeah! Steven Seagal had a bunch of movies. Here we go, here we go. Above the law, hard to kill. A mark for death, out for justice. Under siege, on deadly ground. Under siege to duck territory. Executive decision, the glimmer man. Fire down below, my giant, the patriot. Not even the trees. Prince of Central Park, the path beyond. Exit wounds, ticker, half past dead, the foreigner, out for a kill, belly of the beast, out of reach, Clementine, into the sun, submerged, today you die, dragon squad, black dawn, mercenary for justice, shadow man, attack force, a flight of fury, urban justice, pistol whip, kill switch, Yeah, against the dark, driven to kill the keeper, a dangerous man, machete, sheep impact, born to raise hell, maximum conviction, force of execution, a good man, gut shot straight, absolution, coat of honor, sniper, the Asian connection, end of a gun, contract to kill the perfect weapon, Cartels, China salesman, attrition, general commander, beyond the law, yeah, Steven Seagal representing, oh, don't forget about lawman, kicking ass all over the USA, getting exhausted from standing up, walking across the room, yo, Neil Sedaka, bring that shit back in.
The Office was a fake reality show. Lawman is a real reality show. And so I just like to make that distinction because people like to rip on Seagal for that aspect as well. Well, and when you talk about defunding the police, you're affecting the livelihood of someone like Steven Seagal. And so I think that needs to be accounted for. <laughs> we're gonna edit these out. <laughs> we should just keep using it. That was timely there, Alan. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Let me sing your song. He, he writes songs that people want to imitate as well. So you look at his list, right? He writes a song called Better Man. I looked in Spotify and Pearl Jam f- fucking did the same exact song. Totally he does a song ripped called him Don't off, You Cry. Dude. And then Guns R- I look in Guns N' Roses does the same thing. So he's yeah. clearly yep. influencing. He's got know, a song called yeah, Music. And think about how many people create something that they. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you try that again? Sorry, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you try that again? I'll, I'll go off camera or something. <laughs> and it's from a from a from a geography point of view. This one is this is a solid one too. Goes through the various southern states. Oh yeah, yeah. Like like he goes through like Alabama, Mississippi. Well, and he claims he's, he's, he's really he's a into Russian lists. Citizen. I don't know if you're aware of right? that. He's a Russian citizen. And the fact that really? he... Can... 